This is a new series uh, that I'm beginning this Advent season on this first Sunday. And obviously Advent has four um, uh, Sundays and there will be four messages in this mini-series if you want to think of it this way. It is hard to believe that Advent season is once again upon us. Uh, it just seems like uh, in some ways this year has flown, in other ways I'm sure it is drug. But uh, it is once again the time of Advent and a season of preparation. As I said, remember, Christmas is the, is the fulfillment. The gift has come and been opened. But now's the time of waiting and longing and anticipating the season of Advent. Uh, but in order to prepare us for the fullness of Christmas and the coming of the Christ child, uh, Advent is a season of preparation. And what better way than to focus upon Christ as he's revealed in the first chapter of the Gospel of John? Uh, we just got through finish a series in the Gospel of Mark. But, and we're not going all the way through John. I've done that before, but we went many years ago. Uh, but we're going to be looking basically at the first chapter and seeing the whole understanding of the word. And we're going to see how that word is in today eternal and next week enlightening and the following week empowering and in the final week of Advent embodied. The word embodied. And so those are the things that we're going to be pulling out of this passage in, in 1 John. Our scripture reading, as I said, comes from John's Gospel, chapter 1. Uh, and our reading this week today is verses 1 through 3. Again, hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. The grass withers, flower fades, God's word remains forever. Let's pray. Father, once again we ask that from your light we would see light. Lord, as we think today upon your Son, the eternal Word, Father, we ask that once again we'll have better understanding, but more importantly, greater joy and greater gratitude that we have such a God, such a Word as Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Who is Jesus? The question's been asked a lot down through the years. Is he a man? Is he a moral model? Is he a prophet? Was he a religious teacher? Well, that question, as I said, has lingered ever since Jesus of Nazareth arrived on this planet over 2,000 years ago. But to dive into the mystery that John is talking about in this first chapter of his book, to dive into that hidden mystery of who Jesus is, all we've got to do is just open our ears and our minds and listen to what John 
tells us. To read the gospel of John's first chapter in this series with faith and humble hearts. Because John is going to tell us some absolutely shocking and amazing things about our God. The one who came incarnate in the time we celebrate as Christmas. John's answer to that age-old question, who is Jesus, is, does not begin with nativity. Empty right now, but there's the, there's the, uh, ma- the, the manger uh, uh, nativity part of that. It doesn't begin with angels and shepherds and magi or with the unique circumstances of Jesus' birth i.e. the virgin birth that we confess and believe happened. But it doesn't begin there. John does not begin with any of those usual suspects when we think about Advent and Christmas. Instead, John begins by unveiling to our eyes the nativity of Christ before all worlds, which thrusts us back to the very dawn of creation itself. But John goes further than that. He goes beyond the creation of all things, the beginning. Our text today divides pretty simply in three parts. Imagine that. Um, And uh, yes, I have an acrostic uh, for you today. The first part that we're going to look at, and it's in verse 1, is the word is. Second part of the message this morning is the word is not alone. That's in verse 2. And thirdly, the word is busy. And that's in verse 3. He's up to something. Okay? So let's look at the word is. Now, don't you like gutsy writers? I mean, uh, authors that, that just kind of come out of nowhere and get right down to the punchline. That's what John is. He's one such writer. He doesn't first make the case for Jesus, the word. John, I mean, uh, Mark, we saw, did that from the beginning to the end. That this man that walked on the earth was God himself. John doesn't make that case point by point like Mark did. John just jumps right in and makes the declaration. He doesn't build the case for it. He simply proclaims the truth of it to the world. Jesus is God. He's not just a man. He's not a prophet, just a prophet. He was those things, but he was so much more because he is God in the flesh, as we'll see in this series. He begins his book with the amazing statement that a carpenter's son from a despised backwater region called Galilee is and always was God himself. Listen again to the words of the scripture in verse 1. In the beginning was the word. 
And the word was with God. And the word was God. How categorical is that? There's no fudging about that. There's no playing around with, well, you could, maybe you could interpret that another way. No. The word was in the beginning. The word was with God and the word was God. Unlike the synoptic gospels that begin with their accounts with a historical context, John opens with God in eternity and refers to him with that interesting word, the word. Now, in Greek, that word, word, that we translate word, is logos. And as many of you know, that's translated as word or sometimes reason or plan. And so the word, and, and the Greek philosophers understood and they had the concept of the Logos long before Jesus became incarnate. But they knew there was something out there that was the ultimate in control of all things. That had a master plan. That was the ultimate explanation of the universe and of the world that we see and live in. That it wasn't helter-skelter. Something was binding it together. Something, they knew that. They didn't know what it was. John says Jesus is that word. That explanation, the reason for all things, the reason all things exist. What is a word anyway? A word is an audible expression of a thought. It's an audible expression. It's putting out where someone can hear and perceive something that is a thought. But without there being a word spoken, the thought stays here and you never hear it there. And John is saying Jesus is like that. We can't know what God is like unless we know Jesus and have him explain it to us through word and deed. A word is, as I said, an audible expression of thought. And thoughts are not understandable until words are put to them. When Jesus was among us, he, as a man, he expressed what was going on in the mind of God. He revealed, when he was here on earth, what God was like. Because he was God. He didn't have to get it secondhand. But he revealed what the Father was like he was the logos the mind that ruled the universe and put the universe in place furthermore the text tells us the word was in the beginning it was already there it didn't come into being the word didn't come into being didn't come into existence because it was eternal the eternal word as the as the uh uh title says today the word existed before the beginning now you and I don't have a history before we're born we don't have history prior despite those who believe in reincarnation we don't have a history at all until we're born we have a beginning 
But Jesus did not have a beginning. We have uh, one, but not Jesus. Before he came to the earth, he always was. Jesus had a history before he came to the earth, and John tells us that it was being the word. He was always the word. He always was, and he was with the Father. Jesus is the eternal word of God. We can't comprehend that. We can't really understand that. How is it that there was never a time in which Jesus was not? Think about it. There was never a time in which Jesus was not the word. Never a time in which God was not there. Everything else, we can usually go back and say, well, there was a time. No, he has always existed. I love the way the the, uh, Gloria Patri, one of the uh, uh, basically doxologies that we sing uh, from time to time, it says, as it was in the beginning, so now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. As it was in the beginning, as it's going to be, and always will be, eternal. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. So the word is. Secondly, the word is not alone. Verse 2, listen again. He was in the beginning with God. That word there, with, is face-to-face, intimate, close. He was with God. The word was never alone. The word always was, always is, and the word was never alone. Many people have tried to draw a picture, mental picture of God and help them understand him better. Very hard to do, isn't it? (laughs) How do you do that? Well, I want to tell you that there was one little boy that tried. And uh, this little boy um, once asked his mother, uh, while she was ironing, uh, if if, uh, if he could draw some pictures. And then the the mother, after a while, watched some of the pictures that he was drawing. and, And the mother asked him, what are you drawing? And he said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the mother, of course, kind of um, a little bit sheepishly said, well, how can you do that? Nobody knows what God looks like. And the little boy said, well, they will after I get through. <laughs> they will after I get through. And you see, that's, that's exactly what Jesus, in coming here, was saying to us. As we get to the incarnation and the future of this series, he was saying, I'm going to show you what God's like. I'm going to paint you a picture. I'm going to be a living canvas so that you know what God is like. Not a false God, not not a pretend God, but the real, true, and living God. John, also 118, says this, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, 
He has made him known. He, Jesus, has made God known. Because he is God. He always was. And yet he's the revealer of what God is truly like. That is, once again, a dead-end mystery we run slap into. We have, there's no way we can understand that. We can't comprehend it. That's why we have the doctrine that we call the Trinity. Because there are things we cannot explain how God is the three and the one. But he is. He's not one of those and then the other. He always is the one, and yet he's always three, three and one. Jesus was with God in the beginning. That's, the, that's why we have the notion of the Trinity. It's saying God was not alone. The Son was with the Father from the beginning. And by implication, the Spirit was too. Jesus was with God in the beginning, and they've always been together. It's always been an eternal fellowship of love. I love the way that some of the uh, uh, writers refer to it, the dance. Uh, Dan Allender refers to it, the dance of the Trinity. And do you remember, just a, by the way, just a few um, uh, in the series we just, I just finished in Mark. Do you remember when we were talking about in the suffering and passion of Jesus in Gethsemane and when he began to feel this darkness and a pulling back from God? That was because... He had never known anything but the Father's pleasure and nearness and face-to-faceness. And in that moment, because he was become, going to become the substitute for our sins, and that his, our sin would be put upon him, and we would receive his righteousness. That's the only way we could have a relationship with God. But when the Father withdrew his presence, that started in Gethsemane, and it finished and climaxed on the cross. But see, Jesus never knew anything. That's why it was so horrible, because he had never known anything but the Father's loving presence face-to-face with him before all worlds. But this also means the Word is distinct from the Father. They're two separate persons. Not two separate gods, but two separate persons. Again, mystery we cannot fully explain, but we can proclaim. The mystery that the word is not merged into, but distinct person, and yet one. The three in one. But there are two persons, yet so close to each other, that the word is intimately involved with the Father, so that their thoughts, their meanings, their purposes, their plans are always one. Jesus, remember, Father, whatever you, whatever you want, will, whatever you want, I'm, I'm on the same page with you always. Different, but one. Now, the word is and the word is never alone, but the word is also busy. <laughs> there are things the word is working on, ever about. Listen to verse 3. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. All things that were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. If it exists, 
it had its origins in the word, in Jesus. The word was the creative agent, the agent of creation in the beginning. The word is the creator of the universe, the originator of all things. Jesus has been busy and he's still busy today and he will always be busy going about the Father's and his and the Spirit's plan and purpose. This accounts for Jesus' strange and remarkable personality. This amazing man, Jesus of Nazareth, in his flesh when he, when he was incarnate, and we'll get to that, that's part of the story, was not only a human being here on earth with us, John says he is the one who spoke the very universe into existence. It was a spoken word that created the universe. I love this idea um, that uh, Mel Gibson captured in The Passion of Christ. And uh, it's one of my favorite parts of uh, an otherwise very hard and difficult story to watch because of the suffering and passion of Jesus. But in earlier days, there's a vignette. And of course, this is fictitious. But I want you to just notice this about the maker of all things. Yeshua. Yeshua. <laughs> we'll never catch on. I'll forget the point there. Jesus says, well, I haven't made them yet. But he made everything. He makes everything. Ultimately comes from him. Furthermore, John says that Jesus sustains everything. That's another mind-blowing thing what holds the universe in place why can we have science one of the reasons why we can have science is because of things that are constant things that are are fixed if everything was just helter skelter all the time just flying apart at every turn we could not make calculations but that puts a man on the moon or beyond 
We couldn't do that because if the world weren't something wasn't dependable and certain fixed enough, at least some aspects, we couldn't, we couldn't make calculations. But you see, without him, nothing was made. He is essential to it. He's the one that keeps it going and holds it in place. Holds it in existence. Without him, things would fall apart. The phrase, when the heavens fall, that's exactly what would happen without the creative and continuing maintenance work of the Son, of the Word. When John says he sustains it, without him nothing was made that was made. He's essential to it. He's not just a, 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 a ornament. He's essential to what holds everything together. Listen to how the writer of Hebrews expresses it twice. Listen to this. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. There's the expression direct. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God did not take existing matter and then do something with it. God created the matter, the energy itself. Then things were done with it. Hebrews also 1.3 says, He, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. You think that stuff's just sticking up there and hanging by itself? Just floating in thin air with nothing holding it? With nothing Animating it? No. He is the glue of the universe. Our Savior, the one who became the little baby of Bethlehem, is the one who put and hung the stars in the sky. You see, why do things hold together? Note the remarkable relationship that are mentioned here of things and power. Things and power. Or if we wanted to use a little bit more modern jargon, a little more scientific jargon, we would talk about mass and energy. He controls those things. The atomic structure of your and my bodies and beings are held together, sustained by Jesus Christ. You know, like a like a sci-fi movie where you see uh, somebody get hit with some kind of beam and just everything just falls into a pile. That's what would happen to you and me without Jesus's constant superintendence of the universe. He's what holds everything together. By the way, incidentally, if the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses are right about Jesus being godlike but still a creation. He's not really God. He's sort of God-like-ish, but he's a creation. If that were true, how did Jesus create himself? 
You don't, that's impossible. It, it's contradictory. The idea that Jesus is sort of God-like, but he's a created being. No, he's the creator of all beings, of all things. My friends, do you know this eternal word? Do you worship this eternal word? Do you fall down and acknowledge the sovereignty of a God like this? That's the God of the Bible. That's the God that's being revealed in the pages of Scripture. And especially here as John pulls the curtain back for us to see and get a glimpse of the eternal word. Oh no, we don't understand how this can be. We are finite We are created beings. We cannot understand how there is an uncreated source, a being that never was created, but who is the sustainer of everything that he has made. This only brings and calls for one thing, and that is adoration and worship. Remember how the song says it, this This is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Venite, adoremos. O come, let us adore him. Amen. Father, Lord, we come and be for your awesome glory. A God we cannot understand. But Lord, we believe and we come to worship. You are the adorable and only wise God, the only Savior, the only one who holds us through whatever storms may come and whatever, even though the heavens one day will fall, yet, Lord, you will bring us to the place of your appointment. We will not miss, Lord, that wedding feast that you will prepare for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you that you came as the eternal word, and yet, Lord, you came to us in our need. Teach us more about that in this series, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.